This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I am the senior editor at Education Next. Thank you for joining us. Every Monday, we release a new podcast, and today we want to take a look at the recent decision by the New York State Legislature to renew mayoral control of the New York City School Board. Governor Andrew Cuomo had to call a special session of the state legislature in order to get the job done. Now, just why mayoral control of the school board should be so controversial is not immediately obvious. The mayor has appointed a majority of the New York City School Board ever since 2002. For more than a decade, Chancellor Joel Klein, appointed by Mayor Michael Bloomberg, used this position to jumpstart a host of school reforms. And the current mayor, unlike Bloomberg, is a Democrat, and the governor's a Democrat, and the assembly's a Democrat, and there are more Democrats than Republicans in the New York Senate. So why wasn't a continuation of a practice that's been in place for quite some time just a slam dunk? So to answer that question and take a further look at the topic, I have with me today an old friend, Esther Fuchs, who is the director of the Urban and Social Policy Program at Columbia University School of International and Public Affairs. Esther, you have been involved in and analyzed New York City politics for many years. Uh, why did Bill de Blasio have so much trouble keeping control of the New York City School Board? Well, Paul, I'm happy to be on the show with you, and uh, this is really a perfect question. And, of course, he shouldn't have had this much difficulty getting a renewal of mayoral control since there's actually consensus all over New York State and in New York City, of course, that mayors should control school, school and education policy and should not have to report to what generally turns out to be a partisan board. So our mayor um, made a kind of mistake that you wouldn't expect from such a seasoned politician to make. After he won the mayoral race three, three and a half years ago, he decided that he was going to engage in broader New York state politics and go after Republicans upstate New York in the state Senate, which is, has control, is controlled and has been uh, because of gerrymandering and a variety of other political uh, uh, tricks um, by the Republicans. And so that was a fatal mistake for Mayor de Blasio because he somehow thought that his win in New York would extend upstate, which is kind of mind-boggling if you understand New York politics. And the and outcome, they of course... Upstate, they don't like those New York politicians, New York No, they don't. Yeah. So even if they agreed with him, uh, they would likely vote against anybody that a New York City mayor was endorsing. And so the consequence was is that... Um, those races he targeted remained in uh, Republican hands, and the Republicans managed to do a deal with some renegade Democrats, and they have retained control of the state Senate ever since. And surprise, surprise, they don't like our mayor. And so this has really been an ongoing uh, thorn in the side of Mayor de Blasio. Yeah, but how about the governor? Why didn't the governor make a, an effort to keep those renegade Democrats in line? Doesn't he have the power of patronage to, uh, to make sure he can control the state legislature? Well, that's also a, a New York state politics question. 
our governor for many years really preferred having the state Senate Republican. Now, he might not say that, but almost any political analyst uh, would tell you that. It was easier for him to, you know, go down the middle. He has national aspirations and was not interested in being viewed uh, extremist from an ideological perspective. So he becomes the deal maker and the peacemaker and also the moderate in uh, New York City and New York State politics, which plays well for him in New York, but also plays well for him on the national stage. So he actually um, tacitly supported many of the Republicans. And Frankly, he and our mayor, de Blasio, do not get along. There's uh, a personal animus, and, and frankly, I would attribute more of it to Mayor de Blasio. I mean, mayors need to understand, as we both know, as city limits, you wrote how many years ago, which is still relevant, they, mayors are at the mercy of state government in many ways. So you don't want to antagonize the governor or the state legislature, but for some reason our mayor decided it was okay for him to do that. And so in education areas, as well as many other policy areas, um, we've gotten the kind of pushback from the state legislature that should should not have happened. Well, let me and ask this, this, really this question then, Esther. Why? So if that's all the case, then why does the governor support keeping the school board under control of the mayor, because in the end, the governor did support the mayor's uh, desire to keep control of the board. Of course, and frankly, the state Senate was going to always put the school board back into the mayor's hands. I mean, this is about political squirming. This is about making the mayor uncomfortable and doing a deal, which they, in fact, did in the end. And... um, No one really opposes mayoral control, so this is a lot of political posturing, both to make the mayor look bad, but also to get other things done, which they did. Um, And Cuomo, it was perfect for him. The state legislature actually went into recess, and he had to call them back to Albany to deal with this, and so he can be the hero uh, and dealmaker, which he was, and he got two years, not just one year, and de Blasio did, did some negotiations behind the scenes himself on the charter issue, which turned out to be critically important to the overall deal. Oh, I didn't so, realize that. Now, the newspaper uh, coverage that I uh, paid attention to from some distance made it look as if the original compromise, which w- was being discussed, was that charters would get some... Uh, opportunities to expand in return for the mayor to get in control of the school board for another two years, and then that falls through, and then so they have to make another deal. So the charters don't lose out altogether? Uh, No, the charters actually came out uh, fairly well in this. They didn't get exactly what they wanted, but uh, the mayor managed to save face by negotiating um, a deal that allowed essentially for 22 new charters to open up. Because this, you'll love this, Paul. This is like you can't make this stuff up. (laughs) There were 22 unused charters, which they call zombie charters, and they are counted as if they exist. And And they would not use those charters or allow anybody else to use those charters, even though the schools have already closed. So the mayor agreed 
to allow um, new schools to use these 22 so-called zombie charters. So there will likely be 22 new charter schools in New York City opening very soon. And, of course, uh, the other concessions are important to the charter schools, which is, you know, streamlining their requests at, um, at the Department of Ed and helping them uh, more directly and more efficiently with rental reimbursements and finding space because space is a big issue in New York for the charters. As it is and for al- everybody. Right, as it is for everybody. <laughs> you are so right. And also giving, giving students in the charter schools uh, metro cards um, when, when the school year opens and um, also affecting trying not to split charters into multiple locations, which the new charters were getting stuck with having half their school in one building and another half in another building. So there were some pretty important um, wins for the charter schools. Um, It was not characterized that way, um, but if you look between the lines, you can see that, uh, that they got um, more than I think that they uh, anticipated or expected to get, because the state, the state assembly, which um, basically was representing uh, Mulgrew, the head of the teachers' union in this negotiation, retained their position, no new charters. So everybody got to say they won. Oh, I'm, I see. I was wondering why the teacher union, what, what position did they take on it? And so they they compromised too. Well, they. I think that they, it's not that they compromised. I think they were left out of the final negotiation, frankly. And um, the state Senate was representing the charters, and Mayor de Blasio did that negotiation, not, and he did not really do it together with the Speaker of the Assembly, Heasty, who was really the one who was representing Mulgrew in the, in the session of the state legislature. So, that is to say the unions. The unions. Yeah. So, a little inside baseball, but the the upshot of, of the deal was that everybody could declare that they won. And fortunately, um, we didn't get screwed by this in the city of New York because it would have been a disaster had the deadline hit. June 30th was the deadline. They did the deal June 29th. Well, what would have happened? Let's say the no extension had passed then what what would have happened in new york well they the you know the summer would have had to be spent kind of trying to figure out how to reinsert the old school board back into power and so the borough presidents and the mayor would have had to appoint people to a new school board and the chancellor would be reporting to the school board rather than to the mayor and while I don't think it would have affected day-to-day operations in the fall, it certainly would have cre- you know, just created havoc at the Department of Education in terms of the policy um, that have to be worked on over the summer and, and implemented. So I think I don't really believe anybody actually ever wanted to return to the old school board model. They just wanted a political deal. But that, that political deal, that political deal was uh, very advantageous to the governor in one respect. He got to name the Tappan Zee Bridge after his dad. Yes, he got a couple of <laughs> <laughs> a couple of good things, and I guess you know when we're when we're looking at 
those kinds of things from my point of view, you know. It, it reminded me when we were in Chicago together and old Mayor Daly was the real mayor of Chicago and I remember there being an insurance scandal because his son was getting the insurance business from the city and oh, Mayor Daly remember, remember and yeah. Mayor Daly said, If a father can't help his son, who can he help? So <laughs> you know, relatively speaking, this is pretty pretty simple, right? It's just the name yeah, of a bridge. Not every son <laughs> is this loyal to his father. So oh, you've got to give Andrew uh, Cuomo a, a lot of credit. <laughs> I do. I do on this. And also, Mario Cuomo was a great governor. And so the only thing that would have prevented the naming is partisan politics. And so, you know, from a, I'm glad he did for him. <laughs> <laughs> Well, finally, let me ask you about de Blasio's education record. Uh, was he? Uh, how would you assess it? He's up for re-election. Uh, what's he going to brag about? And what's he going to get blamed for? Well, the truth is, is that you know he has a pretty decent record on paper, and some really big wins, and some things that are sort of not happening at the pace that many of us would like it to happen. First, his, you know, big win is creating uh, universal pre-K and getting it funded by the state. And frankly, that was part of the, the problem between him and the governor, because after the governor actually acceded to the funding, he tried to get this so-called millionaire's or tax, or what, what he was calling a mansion tax, passed by the state legislature in the year that Andrew Cuomo was running for re-election. So you can imagine that the governor didn't appreciate it. So the mayor, I think, has learned a few lessons. You know, at that point, he couldn't. He should have just taken his win and gone back to the city um, instead of trying to needle the governor. Um, so he had a big win on universal pre-K. And if you look at the stats, most of the statistics are moving in the right direction in terms of. Um, graduation rates and scores on the on the English and math proficiency exams where you know he's having the most trouble um, is he for three years he really uh, changed the policy of closing schools which were uh, underperforming badly performing I would say for a long period of time the Bloomberg administration realized that the only way that these schools would have a chance really to um, become better schools was closing those schools and allowing an, a new principal to come in and really create a new school with new teachers, and the teachers would have have to reapply for their positions there. And the studies have shown that that policy actually did have some positive effects. Yes, and and frankly, from you know, given the kinds of limitations, it was the only way to make that kind of change. And that's that's a conversation we can have at another point, you know, that involves the teachers' union. So when de Blasio jettisoned that policy and said, oh, we're going to pour money and resources into these low-performing schools and we're going to work with the principals and the teachers and, and the families and we'll, we'll get them going and we'll turn them around, well, guess what? <laughs> that didn't work because, frankly, those kinds of policies have been tried already, and these schools, uh, you know, have deep-rooted systemic problems. And so, so the turnaround, got, the turnaround turnaround policy of the mayor has been the disasters area for for him in yes, education. Yes, completely 
not because that it really hasn't worked at all. And so he actually has uh, agreed. He's decided to start slowly to um, close some schools, but I think that's going to be difficult for him politically. And um, I don't know what the chancellor's position is on this. And the other area where he's, I think, um, had some wins is is the community schools sort of taking the Harlem Children's Zone model and uh, trying to expand it. He, Deputy Mayor Richard Brary was has been involved in that as well as uh, Chancellor Farina, and um, that is looking interesting. There's no data yet, so I'm hesitating to say it's a success, but. Um, those kinds of wraparound programs that he's been putting into some of the low-performing schools uh, seem to be having an impact. But the you know, there the studies haven't come in on that yet, and we're not really sure. He's you know he did the, he did deals with all the unions when he came in, and he did a a deal with the teachers' union, which he claims you know will be revenue neutral and which, of course, won't be in the end. And so um, the kinds of impacts his budgets will have on the fiscal condition of the city over time, I think, are going to be problematic. And he's been very lucky because he's managed to collect a lot of property tax and income tax and sales tax as a consequence of Bloomberg's economic development policies. And so development and construction is booming in New York, and he's just been expanding the budget, including the school budget, which is was this fiscal year was $30.8 billion in New York City. That includes money for uh, pensions as well as interest on the capital debt for 1.1 million students. So it's a $38 billion for 1 million students, huh? $1.1 million Thirty billion, thirty point eight billion, so thirty, 30 billion yeah. mm-hmm, for one point one uh, million students. So, per student spending in New York City is one of the highest in the country. We both know, you know, that data doesn't tell us that much. But he's been increasing spending across the board uh, on services in the city, and um, and that's how he's locked up the. Uh upcoming election. Uh, the the uh, <laughs> primary is in uh, September, the general in January. Is this, uh, is this a done deal now? Yeah, I don't like to predict, but it, but certainly uh, the Democratic nomination is, is going to go to him. People don't like to run against incumbents in the Democratic Party. We have six to one Democratic registration in the city of New York now. So, and he, he, his poll numbers are low. And he looked very vulnerable, but when the when the U.S. attorney did not come back with any indictments of his staff or of him for campaign finance problems, uh, all of the real uh, potential challengers just kind of flitted away. And he locked up, guess what, all the union support. So it's not just the teachers' union. He's got the municipal employee unions and he's got 1199 the hospital workers and he's got the um the uh janitorial union which is very strong in new york it's uh, janitors and doormen and they actually live in the city and vote unlike the teachers which and uniform workers who primarily do not live in the city um, but this is resources and troops on the ground and and uh ask me 
and 11.99 are really a predictable vote. And for a pr low turnout primaries, we both know uh, that's formidable. So, and the and the general, it's this is not a good year for a Republican, even if it were a Bloomberg-style Republican, uh, to uh, to mount a campaign in New York City. I would guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you could distinguish yourself from our president, it might not be that bad. Unfortunately, you know, there really is an interesting Republican running. Nicole Maliotakis, she's the state representative from Staten Island. She's young and very bright, and she comes from uh, Cuban and Greek um, uh, parentage. And her problem is, though, she supported Donald Trump, and on social issues and immigration, she's quite conservative and looks much more like the National Republican Party than traditionally New York Republicans. So it's not a winning formula. In New York, Republicans win. They minimally have to be fairly liberal on social issues. So, so you you have such a good understanding of New York politics, uh, <laughs> Esther. I, 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 it's just marvelous to hear the whole story unfold. Uh, let me ask you one last question, and that is, so he, he wins the election. He now has four more years. Does he keep the chancellor? Oh, uh, well, she had said she was mo most likely going to stay only for one term. So he will not, I think he will not under any circumstances, let her go. Um, but it's not obvious to me that she uh, won't leave. There, He's had a considerable exodus of senior staff even before the four years are up. Um, so he's lost his planning commissioner. His uh, deputy mayor for human services left two years ago already. Um, there's been quite a bit of turnover on, on the important agencies. So it's really going to be a question of what, what Carmen Farina decides to do herself. I don't believe the mayor is going to um, let her go. Well, Esther, with that, I'm going to um, uh, let you uh, return to your busy schedule, and I appreciate <laughs> uh, very much your joining us uh, today to discuss uh, why it was that uh, the New York City School Board uh, renewal uh, of, uh, of control by the mayor uh, proved to be uh, such a complex process. Uh, I've been speaking with Esther Fuchs, professor at Columbia University. Uh, this is Paul Peterson. Uh, please join me again on the Education Exchange every Monday at noon. <laughs>